There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft.com, Draft in your app store, is a great way to play daily fantasy sports. They do snake-style drafts just the way you like them, so you're the only person that owns that player, not like all those other big DFS sites. They also have auction-style drafts, and they're starting to master the best ball world. they got NBA going on. they killed football, and they've already come out with the 2019 football best ball drafts. You know they'll have baseball as well. So if you want to do best ball or you like the daily aspect of NBA, NHL, MLB, PGA, all the works go check out draft.com and if you're new to the site use promo code sd sports sd as in dog sports and you'll get entered into a free three dollar tournament of your choice it can be a daily tournament an auction a draft or it can be a a best ball tournament all up to you use promo code sd sports to check out for entry into a free three dollar tournament of your choice also if you can give us a rating and review on itunes i'd much much appreciate it help the podcast keep growing and going much much farther and bigger and better for all of you listeners with that being said Welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 137 with Nathan Dockin of the Nasty Cast and Fan Track Sports, talking some MLB transactions for your fantasy baseball teams, along with a fantasy baseball catcher's preview. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 137, going over some recent free agent acquisitions for your fantasy baseball needs and taking a dive into the catcher's position. In order to do so, joined by a a guest of ours, a frequent guest of ours, been on a a few times talking Game of Thrones and other fantasy baseball nonsense. But you can find his work on the Nasty Cast, one of the greatest fantasy baseball podcasts out there, and over at Fantracks.com. And on Twitter at Nathan Dawkins. Nate, how we doing, man? What is up, Bubba? Thanks for having me back on, man. It's uh, oh. popped up the scotch in honor of uh, <laughs> joining you tonight. I don't know if your how your uh, geography is, but I live in North Dakota, and this time of year it is cold. Yes, yeah, so I am warming warming my soul right now. I understand because my mother's side of the family lives in North Dakota. They are from North Dakota. I've gone to reunions in North Dakota, so right. I understand. Uh, yes. Tornadoes during the summer and cold in the winter. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah. So yes, all good, my friend. I totally understand. It's uh, it's wine and whiskey weather. Well, for Californians, it's wine and whiskey weather right now. <laughs> Let me it right. because totally different. But yes, I get it. Totally get it. Um, I was hoping I would have had you on, you know, more recently because we got Game of Thrones to talk about, but they decided to screw us and you know postpone things. So yeah. we'll definitely be talking about that again. But before we get into the podcast. Any thoughts on the final season? Oh, I just, I, I can't wait. I've uh, actually just today, I was listening to a podcast that I just came across my screen randomly when I was on Twitter um, at Fit and Trim. Uh, Bubba, he does his name actually is, you know, not his real name, but it, he goes by Bubba anyway. That's his moniker. 
Um, so he does his own podcast and he was actually on this other podcast and they were just, all they were doing is rewatching the hard home episode and and it's a two hour podcast about that episode. And I'm like, yep, I am listening to that. And so that's how I spent a lot of my day. That's how starved I am for game of Thrones. So I'm beyond excited for this last season. I'll have to go find this because that's, yeah. If you're a fan of game of Thrones, you know, that episode by heart and you can sit there and just drool over it over and over again. So yes, without a friend. That is outstanding. Well, let's get into some of these free agent acquisitions. Uh, we actually had a couple come down in the last 24 hours or so that actually seemed like an impact. Because when I put this outline together, it was a couple of relievers. And then, uh, yeah. So we got some fun ones here. Um, Yasmani Grandal, ironic, we're previewing catchers today. But he goes to the Milwaukee Brewers. Interesting landing spot, you know, being with the Dodgers for so long. Brewers is a, a nice ballpark to hit in there in Miller Park. Um, what's your fantasy thoughts on Grandal going to the Brew Crew? Yeah, it's a nice move for his fantasy profile. Um, you know, it gets a little bit of a park boost going to Milwaukee. It's obviously a really good lineup there, too. They were serious contenders uh, for the World Series last year. And, uh, you know, they're going to go for the same gusto again this year. So it's it's nothing but an upgrade as far as Yasmani Grandal's uh, fantasy prospects go. I would, uh, you know, maybe he'll even push 30 home runs this year. He had uh, 27 back in 2016, and he's been... Uh, pretty consistent in the uh, in the twenties over the last couple of years. One of the rare um, dependable sources of power at a god awful position. Um, so yeah, especially uh, in OBP leagues, he gets a huge boost in OBP leagues because of that huge walk rate. I wouldn't expect that to go away. You know, two years ago we saw that sort of evaporate out of the blue, and unsurprisingly, it came back this past year, uh, back up around fourteen percent where he's where he'd been the, the whole rest of his career. So I would expect that to rebound, and uh, yeah, probably push. Push 30 home runs, which as far as I'm concerned, I mean, a catcher, that's just about as good as it gets. So uh, value up for Grandal with the signing. Yeah, there is. I can't. I, I, I apologize to whoever tweeted it out. I don't think it was Modica, but it was it was one of those guys that likes to tweet all the good stats. And it's in the last like 15 to 20 years at the catcher's position. There's only been like three or four other players besides Yasmani Grandal that has at least 20 home runs in three or more consecutive seasons. So that, like you said, the oh. power wise. That's insane. And you mentioned and you um, quote tweeted Derek Carty earlier today. Mm-hmm. The park shift, he's going from like a 5% home run park in, in LA to like 13% in Milwaukee. And to some, that might not seem like a lot, but for a catcher's position, to me, that's a, that's a pretty good bump. So um, I, I'm, I'm very much on board with this. He's the um, he's currently the eighth catcher off the board in FBC. So I think that there's a lot to like here with Grundle. Yeah, absolutely. I had him, and we just re released our rankings over at Fantrack and I had him at eighth and I would definitely bump him up with this move probably up to about six above uh, Yadier Molina and Wilson Contreras um trying to think yeah that's <laughs> maybe about as high as I would go in a standard roto but in OBP leagues man uh he's he's right there with the elite I mean I would put him over Sal Perez in an OBP league I mean and so then I would have him third um, so that's a huge uh, jump. So you always have to take that into account if you're if you're drafting in an OBP league, and uh, that's one of those inefficiencies that not everybody thinks of all the time. You got to push those guys up and draft them a little bit earlier. No, it's a great point on the OBP talk. Um, I believe I'm, I'm pulling up my rankings now. I had him like seventh, I think, and I even tweeted out, you know, moving to Bal- to, to Milwaukee. It brings the idea where I could easily put him to sixth, possibly fifth, depending on how you want to go about it. And then, yeah, your OVP discussion changes it even more. So definitely on board with that. Let's go to the nation's capital. The NL East continues to stay busy. And Brian Dozier gets a one-year $9 million deal to go uh, play second base for the Washington Nationals. And, yes, no Bryce Harper, but still a pretty you know decent lineup. Uh, roster resource projection batting sixth right now. So it could affect the counting stats. But what's your thoughts on Brian Dozier going to Washington? Yeah, it's a pretty solid landing spot for him. Um, you know, good lineup. It's not like uh, he's going out to San Francisco or anything. No offense. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's worse landing spots that he could have ended up in for sure. I think, uh, you know, he, he played through a knee injury last year that we didn't really know about. And uh, I would say that that definitely affected his season. If you look at all the numbers, everything was down across the board. Um, it was not pretty watching him play. Um especially with the Dodgers, but really over the course of the whole season. And, uh, you know, I would expect a pretty pretty nice bounce back season from him. Uh, I'd expect the power to kick back up at least into the mid-20s, um, you know, and probably double-digit steals as well. Um, so the only, the only real thing, I think he had overperformed on his batting average 
in 2016 and 17. You know, he was around 270 both of those years. I think he's probably more of a 240 hitter like he had been before that because uh, he is really just a dead pull hitter. And so that always uh, limits your bat to a certain extent. But, um, I mean, aside from that, I, I would expect all of the rest of his numbers to bounce back quite a bit. No, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting with him there. We know what Dozier can be and what he has been, and you hit it on the head with that, that injury situation is we didn't really get much there. And then he goes to L.A. and he had so many pieces there. His, his playing time kind of got squashed a bit, it seemed like, there. He still put up 21 homers and 12 stolen bases. So, you know, you get back to healthy, you know, look at the projection sites, depth chart, and steamer. They got him for mid-20 home runs, hitting, you know, 235, 240, but OBP still pretty strong. And he's going about pick one, uh, fifth. D2 right now in NFBC. So a lot of these sharper guys that are drafting early do uh, have a liking to Brian Dozier. Now, one that yeah, really surprised – yeah, sorry. Continue. No, I was just going to say, I've, I've, <laughs> Dozier is one of my favorite – like he was maybe my favorite twin ever. Like he's just completely remade himself, you know. Um, and so I was really proud of him as a twin. And uh, it kind of sucks that he got screwed with just $9 million from one year after, you know. Go figure your walk year is the worst year, you know, that you've had in how long. So I'm rooting for him personally, too. But I do think that uh, he's a, a nice buy low right now in uh, not only in Dynasty Leagues, but I think he'll be a pretty good value in redraft leagues, too. Yeah, no, he got really, really shafted there. And that's a good point you made because, you know, he, he went through the whole process, did what he's supposed to do. He's one of the best second basements to play for a long time, especially power hitting wise. And uh, we could probably have a whole podcast on how screwed up the system is. But uh, <laughs> he, he got he got job pretty good. He's going to be, I believe. I believe I looked earlier, he's going to be 32 during the middle of this season. And it's probably one of his last chances to get a big deal unless he goes off this year. But I'm really not confident in anybody getting many big deals anymore the way things are going. So uh, it's a shame for him. And it kind of leads into the next one, Jed Lowry going to the New York Mets. And he got two years, $20 million, or It's projected 20 to $25 million. Depends how it goes. So a guy that's two years older than Dozier is going to get more money and an extra year of guarantee than Dozier. So it really surprised me there. He's right now is projected to play third base, about second for the Mets. I love Jed Lowry. I'm a big fan of him. I thought going back to Oakland would be great, but the Profar trade happened. Uh, the Mets is an interesting spot. They're going for it there. What's your thoughts on Lowry in New York? Um, mixed, I guess. I mean, as far as the Mets, you know, kind of pushing all in for this season, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, fantasy wise, as far as Jed Lowry goes, I think he's going to come back down to earth quite a bit, uh, this year. If you look at, you know, his power output last year, what do you have? 23 home runs. Yeah. Career high for him there. Um, and his home run per fly ball was just about double what it normally is. And I would expect that to uh, taper off quite a bit again this year. And if you look at his uh, contact rates too, they've been declining for uh, the last four years or so. And, you know, heading into his age 35 season, uh, that's not too rosy. And, uh, you know, base right now is where he's penciled in on roster resource. I think that's going to be a pretty fluid situation that they've got there with Robinson Cano. And um, we got Todd Frazier, uh, J.D. Davis we'll talk about in a little bit. You got Jeff McNeil that you got to find a bats for. And at some point, um, Peter Alonzo is going to be coming up. So if you see Lowry struggle, I don't think that you're going to see the Mets really have to stick with him too terribly much. And so I'm necessarily all in on uh, Lowry as far as fantasy purposes go this year. But for the Mets, I like the signing. That's kind of what I was confused about when you, when you mentioned all those other players involved there, all the young players involved there. This really kind of came out of nowhere to me. You know, they just made the J.D. Davis move we're going to talk about. They have McNeil there. Obviously, Cano's now playing second, um, maybe first until Alonzo. There's so many moving parts there in New York. So it's funny. Went there. If it was a one-year deal, I'd be like, okay, I can see that. The two years confused me. It's like, is there another move we're not seeing yet, another trade? Is Jeff McNeil getting traded now? Is there something else happening that opens this up? Maybe that's the case, but at, at, at first glance, a little suspect to me. Yeah, and we'll All see. Right. I mean, maybe maybe Frazier has just lost it now, and they kind of see that yeah. internally. It's tough to say with as many injuries as he's dealt with. It makes sense to build in the kind of depth that they're acquiring right now. Yeah, the other thing with Lowry, I guess, is he can play all over the infield if need yeah. be, so that helps too. All right, let's talk about some relievers. David Robertson Ooh. goes to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, it's a good deal for them. On paper, he looks to be the closer, but then Gabe Kapler doesn't like to do things on paper. So <laughs> it, it could get really interesting there. Good reliever. What's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
this is a, a really nice signing. I wish my twins had done it personally, but uh, yeah, two for 23 is very reasonable for somebody uh, that has put up the numbers that Robertson has in the past. But for, for fantasy purposes, you know, like you alluded to just now, it's going to be a bit of a headache because um, they didn't go out and say that Dave Robertson is going to be the closer. It sounds like it's going to be a little bit more of a mix at the back end uh, with Sir Anthony Dominguez, who was also just terrific last year. Like this is just a total luxury signing for the Phillies. You could have just, as far as I'm concerned, you could have just thrown Sir Anthony back there and been just fine. Uh, but this definitely solidifies what was an already a, a pretty damn good bullpen. Um, so yeah, I, I wish that I could get more geeked on it for fantasy purposes, but I just I probably can't push him into my top twenty if he's going to be splitting saves with Dominguez. No, that's exactly what I mean. It's like it's a good signing for real baseball terms, but I think he's definitely going to be splitting time. Like I'm with you. I love Sir Anthony last year. I thought they were just fine with Sir Anthony. But I guess you could never have enough quality bullpen depth because they even have Hector Neris, who kind of looked better when he came back yeah. up. There, there's a lot of pieces there that didn't seem like. It kind of surprised me when it happened. I get it. It surprised me. But, yeah, it's tough for fantasy, that's for sure. But this is an era now where in fantasy where you kind of have to reevaluate the save situation and see how you're going to approach that in drafts. Is, you know, a 25 save David Robertson with the with the all, with the all peripherals and all that still, still worth this, the, the question. Uh, the Yankees, they bring back Zach Britton. Britton got paid. He got paid very well uh, to go back to New York and most likely be a setup man for Earl Chapman unless Earl Chapman is broken which is very possible. Mm-hmm. Unless you've seen that jacked-up weightlifting picture on Twitter, then you never know. You <laughs> might throw 130 miles an hour this year. But um, Zach Britton, back to the Bronx. Thoughts? Uh, you. Um, not so much just the picture, <laughs> but as a signing, I just – I don't really get it, man. Like, um, I'll go ahead and seed my knowledge overall uh, to the Yankees because, I, I mean, there's got to be something there internally that I'm just missing because mm-hmm. – um, you know, he got more money, more years than David Robertson and his numbers are, I mean, way worse, uh, high walk rates, uh, league average strikeout rates, which is, you know, terrible for, for a reliever. Um, you know, but he's been really overperforming his, uh, peripherals because he's just a, you know, bowling ball sinker baller. He gets huge ground ball rates. And so he can, uh, you know, once you hit that 60% threshold, then you kind of get your BABIP working in a reverse way. So um, you you tend to limit your BABIP that way. So that's how he's been able to do that. So I don't necessarily see huge regression there. I don't know if I see huge regression overall. It's just I just don't think that he's, you know, we saw that ridiculous season from him a couple years ago uh, where people were saying that he should win the side. But, um, you know, since then he's been dinged up a lot. He's barely pitched 40 innings uh, each season since. And his strikeout rate is way down. So, I mean, for fantasy, I'm totally ignoring this because he's going to be behind, like you said, Chapman, and he's going to be behind uh, Dylan Batances as well. So unless you're in a saves holds league, I'm not interested in Britain at all. But even if you're just handcuffing, like he's he doesn't have great strikeout rates, so he's really not going to help you uh, anywhere. And uh, it's just, like I said, as far as the Yankees go, I don't even know why they gave him that much money, frankly. Yeah, it felt like to me if they were going to go give a reliever money, a, David Robinson was probably a good choice, or I thought Adam Adovino was the guy to go to to New York. Yeah. But like you could have a righty-lefty closer because they just don't want Batanzas to close for some reason. But um, that could be a whole other debate. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm not an astronaut, and Dylan Batanzas is not a closer. Yes, that's that's the verdict we have seen. That is what it is. Um, one last closer, and this actually has fantasy relevance out of all three of them. This one could be relevant until he gets <laughs> traded at the trade deadline most likely. But um, Kelvin Herrera signs with the White Sox, likely, I quote unquote, likely to be their closer. He's always had pretty good stuff. I liked him with Kansas City. Uh, he set up for the Nats when he got traded. The stuff's there. Does it translate fantasy wise with the White Sox? Um, yeah, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be a competent closer, uh, like health permitting. Uh, you know, he's, he's pretty dinged up uh, by the end of last year. Um, and aside from being an occasional psychopath, uh, pretty good pitcher. So, I mean, like you said, there's the risk that he gets traded at the deadline if the White Sox aren't competing. You know, we'll see. Maybe they'll still land Manny Machado, and all of a sudden they go all in. Um, but I'm uh, that's pretty doubtful at this point. But I tell you what, I am kind of worried about Alex Colomay, um, who's going to be setting him up, presumably, to start the season. Um, his numbers were actually really good. He was really solid overall last year. And I it kind of flew under my radar until I actually looked him up. Uh, but 
because I remember him just being terrible for some months. He had over a six ERA. Uh, but if you look at his splits in the first half, he had a four twelve ERA. But in the second half, one fifty seven. So he really righted the ship uh, over the course of the second half. And so I do think that there will be a little bit of concern there if Kelvin Herrera struggles, then he might get usurped by uh, Colome. Uh, I like the the Colme mentioned there because a couple like my my deep brown closer option was Tampa Bay he lit the world on fire he was great everyone drafted him high last year as you mentioned he sucked but then he got traded to Seattle and he actually set guys up and did pretty well there like you mentioned his, his splits almost almost coincide with his his move from Tampa Bay to um, Seattle and not closing anymore so if that translates it well that that could be good too because the the White Sox got him for next to nothing so that that's an interesting moment, uh, point there and gives him a couple options and I think I think bottom line is one of these guys unless the White Sox go get Machado and make a move one of these guys is probably get traded come uh, you know June or July so keep that in mind all right a couple kind of minor moves here but I know you do the Nasty Cast Dynasty podcast so you know some of these younger guys better than I do but Keon Broxton's not the youngest of young guys but it seems like he just hops around from the minors to the pros left and right uh, gets traded from the Brewers to the Mets. Is this fantasy relevant or is this more like just wait and see because he's been so disappointing to us? Yeah, I'm not into it. Uh, I know plenty of people are still tantalized by the power speed combo and he does have that. And like, as far as the Mets go in a real life sense, he has really good defensive value. Um, So at least they have that sort of floor, but we don't have that in fantasy. We don't care about defense. We want him to hit dingers and steal bases. And I mean, he's pretty good at that, but what he's not uh, very good at doing is, uh, putting the bat on the ball and just like pulling up his swing strike rate and his contact rate, um, career swing strike rate, 16.6% career contact rate, 62.7%. If you were like, I could, if that was Zach Britton's numbers and I could see why the Yankees maybe gave him that money, but uh, for Keon Broxton, that is gross. And uh, yeah, so I don't really have any interest in that. He's kind of their, their fourth outfield option right now. So for fantasy, I'm just out. Yeah, no, I, I really found nothing to like about him at all. Apologies for the dogs. Apparently someone wanted to read the doorbell right now, so that was good. Um, <laughs> Pizza Man. Yes, yeah, God. Um, that's that's the movie that's on. Um, but J.D. Davis, another guy the Mets made a move for. This one's interesting because we saw him get a little bit of run with the Astros at times um, in the last couple of years. In the minors, he, he tore it up every time he had a chance. I had a, had a good year in AAA last year, not lighting the world on fire when he had his – chance with the Astros though goes to the Mets mentioned you know could have been the third base of the future there maybe not is he a guy like Keon Broxham where it's not really into or is he more interesting yeah no this is more of a, a boring real life move again for the Mets just trying to build up some depth and I can understand that uh, but yeah for fantasy not only is he is he blocked all over the play he has at the major uh, he's got a career one or average over 181 plate appearances, six uh, right around the start of the season. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing a whole lot of uh, fantasy production here by any means. All right, so no thoughts on Kevin Fulecki. Let's go to a guy that the Twins just got, uh, Blake Parker, over from the Angels, signed him to a, a free agent contract. You know, some people are excited. I don't understand it a ton, but you know the Twins better than me. So, what's your thoughts? I was actually relatively excited, especially given the price because um, they paid like nil for him and they definitely needed the bullpen help. They still need to sign another two or three relievers uh, in my book to if they're going to actually make a run at uh, at the central. But uh, yeah, pretty. I mean, you just look at his numbers. He's been fine the last couple of years. Uh, the the splitter tends to, you know, that's a really homer prone type of pitch, and he's been really homer prone, especially last year. That kind of was his bugaboo. But um, as long as he can keep that under control, um, you know, strikeout and walk rates are all really good. So, um, not probably not going to be their closer. We'll see, but he's he's going to be in the running. Uh, so that's going to be a situation I think to watch heading into uh, the beginning of the season. So maybe there will be some fantasy relevance there if he takes over the ninth. I like it. Um, as I like to do when I have you on the show, we'll talk some Minnesota Twins talk as this is your team. Um, just kind of get your insight on it. We've I've talked about the actual moves on other shows, but, um, you know, Big Nelly Cruz heading over to Minnesota is, is a heck of a move, I thought. Um, I, I really like that power upside there. What's your thoughts on Nelson Cruz in Minnesota? 
Love it. Um, it was the perfect signing, really. Um, it's, you know, with Cruz, obviously, just a DH, uh, very limited market. So it was kind of just in the Twins' hands to give him the money he wanted to. Uh, you know, Rays were in on him, but, um, you know, the, from the start, I the Twins were one of the few probable destinations for him. So, I mean, he's got just ridiculous splits in Minnesota. I think his OPS is uh, either in the 950s or north of 1,000. I can't remember. So uh, as long as he doesn't uh, have like a real bad age-related skills decline, which is possible, he's getting up there. Um, But uh, setting that aside, even if he does decline a little bit, I think he'll still be a very good fantasy commodity. Yeah, and he's as consistent as they come. You get power like that, always underappreciated when it comes to draft season. So like that quite a bit. Um, an interesting one, a couple of the next year are pretty interesting because they're kind of boomer bust type players, but you know, you'll get Jonathan Scope, very affordable deal. Now looking back on it, you could have re-signed Brian Dozier probably, but um, yeah. the, the Jonathan Scope deal could be interesting, can, can help in a couple positions. What do you think his impact is going to be this year? Yeah, he's another nice bounce back guy, just like uh, Dozier. Yeah, very Honestly, pretty similar deals, pretty similar situations there. Uh, twins are just swapping one younger guy out for another. Um, and Scope, of course, he doesn't really run like Dozier does. So fantasy-wise, you don't have that to look forward to. But uh, do you think that he can get back uh, to where he was over the last couple of years, uh, mid-20s home run power? You know, I don't really see 30 and 100 again. But, um, you know, I, I think that he'll be a pretty nice bounce-back candidate, maybe 25, 20, 25 home runs, um, 80-ish. RBI and uh, you know pretty pretty middling batting average I guess so uh, but overall it's um it's a it's a pretty decent package I guess I could look up where I have him at second base uh, I've got Dozier twelfth and then oh Scopey Scope where did you go where scroll did you down, go seventeen oh, <laughs> number seventeen so that's that's where I have him right now heading into the season yeah it's not too bad that's probably about right with him rather deep position good middle infield option um. Yeah. The, the move that I, I like a lot for the Twins, he can play first base, he can DH when cruising the day off, whatever. Um, maybe it doesn't work out. He didn't cost you much. I don't understand what the, the Rays were thinking because when the Rays got rid of CJ Cron, I thought, okay, that meant they're going to maybe go get Nelson Cruz, but they didn't. And I think Cron, you know, he's, people are thinking it was a one-year wonder. Maybe it was. But to me, he's still hitting those, like, you know, quote-unquote fantasy prime years. So what's your thoughts on CJ Cron? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think he did anything super different last year than he had previously. It's just that he didn't have Mike Sosha to sit him on the bench against lefties. Um, or yeah, or where I can't remember which. I think it was against lefties. But uh, yeah, he actually got to to get unleashed. You know, he played 140 games, career high, and uh, you know, obviously the walk rate, the strikeout rate aren't ideal. He's a low on base power hitter, which the Twins kind of uh, have up and down their lineup now. If you look at it. Um, so, I mean, as far as OBP leagues go, he takes another hit there, but, um, yeah, t- uh, 25 to 30 home runs, uh, over the course of a full season. I don't see why he can't do that. Um, or along with, you know, 80 ish RBI, um, the batting average probably won't be great. Maybe two fifty ish batting average, but, um, you know, it sounds like I'm talking about Jonathan scope again, but, uh, <laughs> the Jonathan scope of first base, I guess. That's what I said. There's a lot of similarities between these two that can be boomer bust type players. You got the powers there, average is skeptical. But you said the, the thing with Cron that I love the most. That's why I try to tell people that argue with me that it wasn't really there is he never got the play full time with Sosha. It just never worked because Albert Pujols was taking that bats away from him or something like that. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, last question about your Minnesota Twins, and it kind of sums it all up. You have a new manager in Rocco Baldelli. Um, he's going to bring an interesting analytics uh, aspect to it, but still a feel of the game aspect. Um, from what you've been hearing and reading and whatever in the uh, Minnesota Twin fandom up there, what kind of what do you think he's going to bring to the team fantasy wise? Is he going to run more? Is he going to do what's he going to do to, to impact fantasy? Nobody knows. <laughs> he hasn't really done it before, so it's hard to know what to expect from him. Um, but it does seem like this new Twins front office front office they wanted to be. Uh, a more progressive, uh, you know, bring a more progressive aspect to the franchise. And that's why they brought in this young guy um, who seems to be all about that. And they tried to do that a little bit last year. Uh, Didn't always work. You know, we saw them even tinker with the opener a little bit. So I would expect more, you know, more kind of moves like that. Um, I'm really excited to, um, bring in a fresh face to manage the bullpen, especially 
because God, I can't think of the Molitor there for some reason. I couldn't think of Paul Molitor's name, but he would just man, his most bullpen people, used to most people want to erase that for Yeah, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't that bad except for the bullpen. Like he would just use three guys basically every single game and just by midseason they'd have 50 innings and they'd hit the DL and they'd be wore out and so I'm really excited um, for for Baldelli to uh, have a little bit of a a more open Mars bullpen usage and yeah I mean I'm I'm really interested to to see what he's going to do in terms of uh, lineups especially I think this is a lineup that you can shuffle a lot um, it's not really they, like I mentioned before they've kind of got a lot of the same guy you know a lot of low OBP power hitters they can be more or less interchangeable um, Jorge Polanco will probably be the leadoff guy just because he's a switch hitter and he has a little bit of more of an on-base profile a little bit more of a steady profile than some of the other guys um but I, yeah, it's I, I don't know really what to expect, so I can't uh, answer that question too well. I'm really interested to see what he's going to bring to the team. I like the Polanco mentioned there too. That guy's getting underappreciated, like no one's business on drafts right now. That's a boy that I know you'll be targeting, and I will be targeting as well. Um, <laughs> as he is like he's he's past twentieth at shortstop. It's freaking crazy. Um, but we can sit there and talk twins all day. We'll uh, leave that for another moment, but uh, a lot to like there. Like last thing I'll say is you mentioned OBP power guys, you know, your pitching staffs probably a lot better on paper, but your team build wise reminds me a lot of the Oakland A's just like not nothing too flashy, but they're going to mash with you and they're going to do a lot of things the right way. And some games they might lose 10 to one because they all struck out at the same time. There's a lot of games they are going to play, play really well. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, All man, right. they've got uh, a lot of really bad t- uh, teams in that division too that they can just beat up oh, on. Yeah. So, yeah, if they if they just add probably another starting pitcher, I hope they do, and then just a little bit more bullpen help, then they'll be right up there with the Indians for sure. Like the yeah, the Indians are looking rough too. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Take this brief break from Bench with Bubba, episode one thirty seven, to talk to you about a new, well, not new, but new to some gambling site. If you're looking for a new site, MyBookie.ag is the place for you. Tons of fun props, spreads, the works, you name it. Go to mybookie.ag and enjoy all the action. You've got the NFL divisional rounds coming up, all four games. Halftime spreads, quarter spreads, full games, props, the works. You like betting on politics, they got it. They, they got everything you want. They're going to have World Series odds and MLB team total odds coming out very, very soon for your baseball pleasures. Go to mybookie.ag, and if you are new and a first-time depositor, use promo code BENCH, B-E-N-C-H-E-D, when you make that first deposit, and you'll get a 50% deposit bonus. That's right, 50% deposit bonus on mybookie.ag when you use promo code BENCHED. So go to mybookie.ag, use promo code BENCHED, 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. Now back to episode 137 of Bench with Let's go to the catchers now, a little fancy catchers preview action. Nate Dawkins, before we get started, plug what you did at the Fantasy Black Book. I did. Yes, uh, Mr. Joe Pisapia uh, was kind enough to let me write a chapter for his 2019 Fantasy Baseball Black Book, and that was the catchers. And he probably let me do it just because catcher is horrible, and he didn't want to do it himself, but whatever, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> tried to have some fun with it, tried to uh, you know inject a little bit of humor in there. So uh, hopefully you check out his Black Book. It is, uh, I mean, with his RPV, it's just uh, an invaluable tool every year. So there, there's my shameless plug. It's okay. It'll get plugged plenty because Joe P. Sapia will be joining us on episode 138. So uh, there'll Ooh. be plenty of plugging to be doing. But uh, let's get to the catchers since you are knowledgeable about it. And I'll be totally honest with the, the listeners. When I met, t- was messaging Nate to join me for my next episode, no idea he did the catchers because it wasn't even out yet. So <laughs> I had no clue. But uh, we'll go over the top 10 NFBC ADPs, talk about some other kind of outside guys, um, go as deep or shallow as you want here because it's not the sexiest of positions. But um, when you're looking at catchers, the top two in ADP, JT Romuto, Gary Sanchez, they're both going around pick 57, 58. So it's kind of a pick your poison. Uh, many, at least in my camp, I'd rather have Romuto, but Sanchez has that. You mentioned ground dolls power upside. Gary Sanchez has that. Just a matter of a lot of the other stuff going on there. Um, started off with JT Romuto and Gary Sanchez. What, how do you differentiate with, between those two? Um, are they the true one-two for you? Um, yeah, I think so. But I also think that the tier between them and just so huge that it's, it's really that I can't necessarily block that potential for 30, 35 home runs of that Yankees lineup uh, from the 
catcher position. That's real tempting. Um, but I would probably just target who's ever cheaper if I'm going early on catcher. Right now on fan tracks, that's JT Romuto just by a couple of picks. Um, but Romuto supposedly, or, or assumedly, I guess, he'll be uh, on a new team by opening day. It seems like just a matter of time before some trade goes through. And his his OPS on the road was a lot better last year. And so really just getting out of Miami is going to do him a world of good. And so I'm definitely uh, in for the upside on him this coming year. It gives you a little bit of everything. Although uh, the stolen bases have, you know, everybody likes to harp on the stolen bases, but they've really gone down over the last couple of years. So I'm not so sure uh, that you're going to get a whole lot of that from Real Muto. But, um, you know, considering uh, all the at-bats that they garner as well, that makes them both definitely the, the one and two uh, at the top of the catcher position again this year. Yeah, I totally agree. They, they do kind of stand out by themselves. Um, there's the next few guys I do like quite a bit, but uh, it is quite a big gap between JT and Sanchez. It'll be interesting to see where Rio Muto ends up because, like you said, almost everywhere is an upgrade, and he's not going to San Francisco, so you don't worry about that. Um, he's going to get upgraded pretty much everywhere else he goes. So a lot to like there with Rio Muto. And Gary Sanchez, you know, if he can just get healthy and stay healthy, which he should be going into camp, that power is as legit as it comes. It's very, very interesting. Uh, number three in FEC-wise, pick 109 is Salvador Perez. I'm a big fan of Salvi. And then right behind him, you got Wilson Ramos and Wilson Contreras going Salvi going 109, Contreras 138, and Wilson or Ramos 138, Contreras 140. It's like Salvi kind of is on an island of his own. And then you got Ramos and Contreras. How do you look at those three guys? Uh, yeah, I like I like Perez a lot. Uh, you pretty much know what you're getting from him at this point, and that's he's going to push 30 home runs, you know, probably 25 pretty safely. Uh, you know, he's going to play a lot because the Royals just abuse him. Uh, here over the second half, but uh, he's just really solid. And as long as he's not carrying his luggage everywhere again this year, I think he'll put forth another really nice season. And Wilson Contreras, uh, I, I'm down on him. Um, you know, Salvador Perez uh, on fan tracks, he's, he's a nice discount. Uh, Wilson Contreras is actually going, uh, in front of him, the third overall, and I'm just not loving him. You know, he does get a lot of, uh, playing time. So there's that in terms of runs in RBI floor, but I don't like a lot of the, the power metrics on him. Uh, you know, he hits a lot of ground balls, so he needs to sustain a super high home run to uh, per fly ball rate if he's going to hit 20 home runs again. And I'm just not sure that that's in the cards. And considering how high he's going, I just I don't see it at all with Wilson Contreras. So I'm fading him pretty hard this year. Uh, but a different Wilson with one less L, Ramos. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, he's been great over the past couple of years. Uh, you get power out of him. You're actually getting some batting average out of him. Although I do think that that pulls back a little bit next year. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been uh, again, really solid over the last couple of years. And, and I like him a lot. Yeah, I agree with, with a lot of that. Salvi Perez is just that model of consistency at the catcher's position. Like if you don't want to pay up for catchers, which is totally fine. Um, I'm getting to the point now where I, I'm in that middle ground where I don't like paying up for catchers, but it drops off so fast after we get going a couple more. Where if you don't have one of these top guys, you're you're not gonna your team's not gonna suck, but you're playing with fire uh, at certain times. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Well, but, that's the thing. Um, you know, as far as a lot of the catcher strategy that I have going into this year, and I've I've always been the type to just wait until like the last rounds of your draft and just nail somebody because the whole position's a wasteland, um, and I'm not gonna waste a high pick on a catcher. But we're we're in this climate now where just nobody gets at bats. You know, you're lucky uh, when I'm writing all these. Like, you get out of the top ten, and you're already looking at guys who are playing like 110 games, and that's if they stay healthy over the, the course of a full season. You're just not getting the at bats, and so at this point, I want to invest a little bit earlier than I have in the past. I'm going to end up with with one of these top guys, uh, whether it's Ramuto or Sanchez. Yeah, probably not one of them, but in the mock drafts and the real drafts that I've been doing already so far. Uh, winding up with a lot of Salvi Perez, Wilson Ramos, um, and uh, the aforementioned Yasmani Grandal, too. I'm going to end up with him a lot this year, too. Yeah, those are three guys I really like to target in this top 10 range. Um, uh, Wilson Ramos, I-, I love. I have him on my rankings. I had him at number four, just like this. Um, I just I-, I loved him last year. I-, I had him ranked fifth going into the season last year. People thought I was crazy. He ended up as a top five catcher. And as long as he stays healthy and, and people say that's the concern with him, I said, you know what? That's a concern with every catcher for as, as much as I can see. So yeah. give me Wilson, Wilson Ramos. He's a guy to get every day at bats for the most part. 
with the Mets. Um, and then Wilson, Wilson Contreras, he definitely takes the extra L because he's just not that good in my opinion. But um, <laughs> like, like he's he's good. That's probably not the right way to say it. But everything you mentioned is is his plate discipline, his plate skills. They're just not there right now. And and I'll pass on that. Um, we got Buster Posey coming in at sixth at NFBC. Wait, he's that? good. Yeah, like he's he's a good player, right? But like yeah. he's just super overrated. Is yes. is how I see it. He's getting drafted too high. Yeah, if I'm taking, if I'm not getting Riamuto, Sanchez, Perez, or Ramos, I'll pass on Contreras in the next couple and go from there. Um, yeah. And the next would be Buster Posey. It's it's ironic as a Giants fan is I've never owned Buster Posey because the Buster Posey price tag was way too high, and I realize that as I watch him every day. I just don't even know if I can do it still because you're drafting a guy with empty power. Like the average is amazing. If you want a bad average guy, that's great. But power wise, it's empty. Uh, any quick thoughts on Buster Posey? I actually do like him a little bit this year as as a bounce back. Um, you know, coming back off, I believe, is a shoulder injury, or uh, he had a little bit of everything. Hip injuries. So I think the playing time will come back around this year. Points leagues, he's still a great investment because of his play discipline. Um, but it's hard to get average from him too. So considering his price right now with, uh, on fan tracks, he is just the eighth catcher off the board. So even though you're not getting power, you're at least getting batting average, a good counting stats. So honestly, at that price, I'm in. Yep. No, for bad average wise, I'm with you. Uh, next up is the ageless wonder, Yadier Molina. Just keeps crushing baseballs. Get like, I'm not going to claim there's any substances being used, but he just keeps getting better with age. He's like a fine wine. Um, I don't know what kind of wine they drink in St. Louis, but uh, maybe I find Budweiser. I don't know. But um, Yadier's getting it done, and I, I honestly don't argue with this. I'd rather have Yasmani Grandal, who's coming up right behind him. But what's your thoughts on you know Yadier and Yasmani? We already talked about. Yeah, I mean, if if you're trying to poke holes in Yachty, he's I mean, he's just the ageless wonder. Uh, so I'm I'm not going to bet against him. You know, I'm not going to go ahead and say that he's just going to fall off. Uh, I, I think that he's a fine option. I don't necessarily know that he's a guy I'm going to target. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he weirdly just like stole nine bases, and that was sweet. Uh, but I'm not counting on that happening again. Uh, he's just uh, – he's okay. He's kind of a fallback option, I guess, if I don't wind up with uh, Salvador Perez or one of those other guys that I talked about targeting. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at uh, Yachty. He's a really good fallback option. You know, him, Grandal, after those top four, we should say. Uh, that That's kind of – that's where I would skip Wilson. I could see the appeal for Posey, but then you got Yachty, Grandal sitting there, and, and it's pretty nice. Uh, you got Jan Gomes who went to Washington. Uh, any love for Jan Gomes? Yeah, not really. He's uh, at this point. I think we're kind of getting into that uh, second catcher tier where I just don't see um, necessarily a lot of anything very good. Sorry, Jan Gomes, but yeah, a platoon guy. Um, yeah, hundred. Maybe he'll play a hundred games. We'll see. But it's just so blah. I, I'm 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 moving to uh, single catcher formats. Just start playing single catcher leagues, and you don't have to worry about Jan Gomes because he's not good. Thank you. I, I wasn't going to try to bring it. I was doing my best not to bring up two catchers, but like, there's so it's like the hot topic for no reason type thing right now. It's like we're in, we're we're in January and we got to talk about it. It's just it kills me because I, I everyone gets their opinion, but really two catchers in this area of baseball, just, please no, just don't do it. Don't do it. Um, number ten on the NFPC. I'm so glad it was number ten so I could bring it up in this format to you. He is a sexy, sexy behemoth. For the Minnesota Twins, <laughs> um, he's going about pick two forty overall in the FBC. He's gone as high as one fifteen. Okay, I love Williams Astadio, but that guy was oh, high. Um, going around <laughs> pick three hundred five was outstanding. I, I, I could see that two forty. I'm starting to think things over, but there's many questions here. The biggest one's playing time with Williams Astadio again as a Twins guy. What's your thoughts on him this year? Because the the hit tools are legit. He doesn't strike out a ton, but he's yeah. There's a lot of questions there. There sure are. And on fan tracks, he's the 14th catcher off the board right now going in front of Wellington Castillo and Mike Zunino. Um, and even the catcher who's starting before him in Mitch Garver and the other one who's starting before him in Jason Castro. Uh, now I'm not saying that those guys are necessarily good fantasy options, 
but I just don't know where they're even going to have room for Williams Estadio to open the season. He might open the season in uh, in AAA as much as it pains me to say because I love him as much as the next guy, probably more than the next guy, especially, uh, I mean, after watching that ridiculous uh, home run that he hit and was it the Venezuelan uh, Winter League where he just took a knee and it was like, oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> game, it was game five of the playoffs, I guess, and he – it was it was amazing. The most ridiculous baseball video you'll see all year, and it came in early January. So everybody else could just give up right now. But, yeah, so as, as fun as it is, I mean, he's going to have to be a utility player because he's not going to catch over Castro and Garber, who are far superior defensive catchers. Um, so he's going to have to f- play all over the place. And really, I mean, the Twins have a pretty loaded lineup right now. So you're just – it's really tough to see the at-bats for him. I hope that when we get closer to opening day, maybe the situation identifies itself a little bit better. I want to see him out there. I just don't think that you can bank on enough at-bats for him to be worthy of drafting in a mixed league right now. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's why I wanted to ask you about him because I love him. Like you said, who doesn't love this this guy? But yeah. like I, I nicknamed him. I wrote an article. On, I nicknamed him Little Sexy. He's like Little Bartolo Colon. <laughs> like he's he's the best. But. You look at you know depth charts and steamer projections and then roster resource and you're sitting there going, shit. I like to think I drink and I know things, but I don't know this one. I really don't. So, no. um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But that's what's crazy. You said Fantrax 14th, NFBC going 10th. And it's like, I love the man, but come on. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I get the appeal because, right, if he does have full-time at-bats, then he can hit for a great average. He's not going to give you much speed or power. But, I mean, at the catcher position, if you get a guy who can push 300, if he's going to play every day, holy crap, that's a pretty good catcher. Um, But, yeah, I just don't see the playing time right now. All right, that's the top 10. I'm not going to go through every uh, player because otherwise we'll be here all night long. But, you know, going 11 through 20, you can use fan tracks. I got NFBC up here. Um, give me like two or three guys that if you don't get the top guys, or if you're in a pathetic two catcher league, you're looking at uh, you're, you're looking at options here, and, and there are some like there's some I don't mind. It's just they're not nearly as sexy as the ones up top. Um, yeah, there's Danny Jansen. Uh, we saw come up with the of a full season. He of some power and some batting average and and on base as well. If you're in an OBP league. Um, you, can you tell I play in a lot of OBP leagues? I keep touching on that all the time. Um, and then Wellington Castillo, should, should, I just should be the league of choice. Should be the league of choice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's a skill. Yes. Walking a lot is a skill. Um, so you should reward that. So uh, yeah, Wellington Castillo right now, he's actually being drafted behind Williams Estadio on fan tracks, and I love him. He's just kind of been forgotten, I guess, maybe because he was suspended last year. Um, so I mean, he's. Again, if you want a little bit of a little bit of power and um, a little bit of batting average too, then he's he's going to be a very solid option. Uh, and Omar Narvaez now that he out in uh, after the trade to Seattle, now that he's going to have sort of the reins uh, to himself, I think that he could be a, a very nice you know borderline first catcher, maybe second catcher option because he's only uh, on Steamer. He's only projected to play. I forget, like 80-some games or something, 70-some games maybe even. But who else do the – name the backup catcher in Seattle. Yeah, you can't yeah. because, like, nobody's ever heard of him. Uh, he doesn't exist. Uh, David Freitas right now. Who's David oh. Freitas? Nobody knows. Nobody's ever heard of him. So, the only reason, only reason I know him is from DFS because he's like $2,000 and he caught every f- fifth day. Okay. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. So I couldn't, that's... couldn't tell you anything else about him. And uh, to continue along with my OBP theme, Narvaez, great option in OBP league. So if you're looking at a great second catching option in your two-catcher OBP league, first of all, petition your commissioner to get rid of that second position. But if that fails, then go draft Omar Narvaez this year and get a nice little discount. Yeah, roster resource has Navarro starting, so I, I, I don't get that. Steamer, I, I love using Steamer's projected projections, and I know projections aren't the end-all, be-all, but that one kind of surprised me a bit that – that he's only expected to play that many games. And he's a monster. Like you said, OBP-wise, he was great. When he got his op- his chances with the White Sox last year, he even showed a little bit of power. Uh, there were some good articles when the trade happened about his um, actual like upside if he actually got to play every day. So I don't hate that at all. I like that quite a bit. Um, I-, I love the Danny Jansen call. I actually have him ranked as my 10th catcher off the board on my catcher mm-hmm. rankings. So a big, big fan of that upside there. Because at-, at that point, I'm- I'd rather start taking chances on these guys than, than sit around. It's the kind of the way I look at it. 
And um, you mentioned Beef Wellington. I have Beef Wellington as my ninth catcher off the board. Big Beef yep. Wellington fan. Love Beef Wellington. So the fact he's falling back, he's kind of like my Wilson Ramos, I think, this year, where I can just sit back, relax, you know, like you said, sip a scotch or something and uh, <laughs> take me <clears throat> take me some beef. He's going to pick 272 right now. Um, if I'm going to mention anybody else back here, you mentioned those guys. A couple I don't hate. Uh, guy that, you know, if you just want consistency, decent average, a little bit of pop, uh, Francisco Cervelli's going about pick 293. Nothing sexy about him, but he consistently gets it done. As long as he's got the job over Elias Diaz there in Pittsburgh, uh, I don't hate that one at all. And then uh, one other one, maybe um, Tucker Barnhart, Cincinnati, another kind of not sexy guy that kind of slowly started getting it going last year. There's a handful of guys here that, you know, you got Zunino, Alfaro, Mejia, but I'd rather have these other guys a little more consistency in other aspects of the game. Yep. All right, deep, deep sleepers. We're talking, you know, past those, and some of those might be considered deep. Are there any guys you're looking at? You meant, like you already mentioned Omar Navarro's. I don't know what you had fan tracks at, but uh, in C- or on NFBC, he's on 26th off the board at 350. That's a very solid sleeper. Uh, you got guys like Jonathan Lucroy. You mentioned Mitch Garver's back here. You know, maybe a bounce back Austin Barnes, uh, Chris Inetta and Coors, Brian McCann. Any deep sleepers for you? Yeah, I guess Narvez does uh, does count in this scenario too. And uh, I do like that the idea of a, a Barnes bounce back, um, especially with uh, Grandall out of town now. So I, I like that one a lot. Totally on board with that. Um, other guys, I, I actually, you know, you mentioned Elias Diaz as well. So Sorelli has been bandied about in some trade rumors. And so if he does leave town, then I think I would like Elias Diaz quite a bit. But as it is, he's probably just a you know just a sleeper, uh, second catcher right now. Let me ask you what any any word on Evan Gaddis right now? What do you think about him? Because I I was just in a fifty round draft and hold team uh, league that uh, just drafted, and uh, I I forget what round I took him in, but he was just sitting out there. You know, we're twenty some deep into catcher. I'm like, what the hell? Maybe he signed somewhere. You got any word on that? Uh, that's a great question because I'm even looking. Um, he must not be catcher eligible. That's for one thing I'm looking at. Yeah, but, he would he would have to catch. Yeah, he would be DH to start the season. But um, that's a great question because he's an absolute masher. Uh, he's going pick five eighty seven right now, and, yeah, he's, um, and he's free. He's the free square. Um, I don't hate that at all. I think that's very interesting. Like they have a lot of bats there, but they're they're still looking for like a DH power bat and some other things. I don't hate it at all. Um, when you look at Houston right now. Who the heck are they got? They picked up Ronnie Chirinos or Yanni Chirinos or Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie Chirinos. Um, they got him, Robinson Chirinos starting with Max Stasi off the bench. You know, someone could go pick up Gaddis. I don't hate that call at all. It's a sneaky good call. Yeah, so I, I'm maybe at this point, you know, if I'm doing a draft and hold, like I said, then that's pretty much the only place you can get him right now because he does need to get that catcher eligibility back. Um, then another guy who's uh, like, if we're just talking super deep, uh, crazy dart throws. Stephen Vote apparently is not done with baseball. Um, apparently, a bunch of teams have been in contact with him. And as far as like second catchers go, he could actually be a pretty solid second catcher. He hit for some power and some average uh, with Milwaukee you know, several years ago. He basically, you know, last year was just a lost year. Um, so if he comes back and he's healthy, then he's a guy who could turn a nice profit as a second catcher. One guy I want to ask you about, I know I didn't put him on the list, and if you don't have much on him, it's totally fine because I'm going to butcher his name anyways. Isaiah <laughs> Kiner-Falafa ah. um, for Texas. He's got third base catcher, second base eligibility. He um, is supposed to be catching a bit, but regardless, he's catcher eligible, playing all over the diamond. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Because that kind of versatility gets you extra at-bats. That late in the draft's not shabby. Yeah, yeah, I you, I should have mentioned him. I'm glad you brought him up uh, because I actually have him ranked as 13th right now in my catcher rankings, uh, which is a borderline first catcher, and that's just because I do think that they're going to move him around the diamond. You know, especially we saw Profar got shipped out already, so uh, catcher eligible guy who should get lots of at bats going around the diamond. A little bit of power, a little bit of speed. You know, he could be a 10-10 guy and hit for a decent average. Uh, which, as far as catchers go, I mean that's. Uh, pretty solid so uh you know for for an early second catcher i like him a lot all right we mentioned austin barnes as a bounce back yeah they have kyber ruiz and another young uh, catching prospect back there as well and, and will smith 
Um, not getting jiggy with it, Will, a different Will. <laughs> um, can you name me their current backup on Rockstar Resource right now? Because I literally had to look it up when we talked about it, and holy crap. Uh, I was just going there myself, so without looking, I could not tell you. Yeah, it's Rocky Gale. Never heard of her. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like like when they tell you to, to name the last movie you watched and like your your aunt's name with your porn star name or something. Rocky Gale. That's amazing. Rocky Gale definitely solves crimes in 1950s uh, noir films. Yes, I, I, I picture Rocky Gale if I'm watching like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Rocky yeah. Gale's involved in that. Definitely. Wow. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, my friend, any final thoughts on catcher strategy, anything like that as people uh, approach the catcher's position, the, the oh-so-sexy catcher's position? Oh, yeah, it's gross, but, uh, you know, it's it's part of the game. Um, I, I guess I kind of uh, mentioned it before as far as how I'm approaching the position this year. I want to get the advantage in terms of just plate appearances, whether that's waiting for someone like Buster Posey going for someone who plays a lot and, you know, Salvador Perez or just, you know, just someone good and reliable. Um, I'm going to do that more, more this year than I have in the past. Um, even, a you know, the beef Castillo, like we've harped on quite a bit. I think he'll be a very nice pick, especially at his ADP. Uh, but I, I want someone who's actually going to play hopefully like 130, 140 games, because that alone just gives you the advantage of so many other catchers who are only going to be playing between 90 and 110. Like that's the wide swath of them nowadays. Now that almost every team is using two to three catchers as a platoon behind the position, it's just become a total wasteland. So if I'm going to get an advantage, I'm going to go pretty early at the position and uh, just, just try to get um, you know the, the plate appearance advantage on everybody else in the league question on that because that makes a thousand percent sense on almost all of it uh but especially like on weekly transaction leagues or weekly lineup leagues now if you're doing a daily lineup league would you rather roll the dice on like two later guys or do you still just want that one guy enough to worry about it that's you know it sounds great in practice uh or in 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 um yeah in practice i guess uh having two catchers and switching them out every day but even me as like a pretty dedicated daily moves fan, just having two catchers for one spot and like every day paying attention to it. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. So like, yeah, uh, it sounds great, but um, I can't, I can't actually say that that's something that I would roll out. Totally understandable. Well, my friend, it is always a pleasure talking with you, talking baseball, Game of Thrones, whatever we talk about, just talking. But um, why don't you plug everything you got going on before we wrap this up? Woo, doggy. Um, I've been busy. Uh, mostly mostly at Fantrax. Those boys are keeping me busy. I'll uh, once again plug Joe PCPS 2019 Fantasy Baseball Black Book. And then I'm exclusively at Fantrax now as far as my writing. So you, if you, uh, I, I tweet out all my work at Nathan Duck and on Twitter. Uh, you can go to FantraxHQ.com, and uh, we're doing just a ton of stuff this year. We're rolling out a draft kit where we've got uh, some really nice projections. Um, uh, Doug does a, a great job at Fantrax HQ. He came up with these these beautiful tables, and he made his own projections. And so there's that, and me and Eric Cross and Anthony Franco, we're all doing uh, player profiles, uh, a lot like uh, Fantrax or uh, Fangraphs does uh, around this time of year. Um, so go check that out. We're doing position by position. We're in the midst of rolling that out. So there's just a ton of information out there doing my reality check series too, which is looking at a pitcher every week and really breaking them down. Uh, this past week was Sean Newcomb, uh, who I came away with a lot more, uh, surprised than I guess I thought I would be, uh, going into that, uh, not necessarily in a good way. So, uh, yeah, fantraxhq.com for pretty much everything that I'm working on. That's awesome. Everybody go check it out. Nate's a great guy and a really smart uh, fancy baseball analyst as well. So a lot of good stuff to go check out there and go listen to the nasty cast. When is the nasty cast coming back? Oh yeah. I should probably plug the podcast that I do as well. Uh, Fan tracks, <laughs> dynasty baseball is every week. We're still doing that. The nasty cast comes back next week. And so yeah. we're going to go back to doing weekly. Uh, yeah. So definitely stoked to bring that back. And so we're going to be doing both of those podcasts every single week. And the Fantrax Podcast Network, I mean, we got some great stuff up our sleeves as well. A lot of stuff hasn't even been announced yet, uh, but just a ton of ton of good stuff coming to you this year. Fantrax is taking over the world. Yes, so. they are. No, they're everywhere. You guys got a lot of great people there. So go check them out. Him, Ron, and, uh, and Van Lee do a lot of great stuff there. They've all been on the guests on the show. And uh, 
always entertaining, always entertaining. So, Nate, I appreciate it, man. Always a good time. Thanks for joining me again. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 137, Fantasy Baseball Catchers Preview with Nathan Dawkins. Catch you guys later. from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.